Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish and Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the fifth Sunday in Lent, and we hear from the Reverend Phil Richard as he preaches from the lectionary, which this week was John chapter 11, verses 1 to 45. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. experience that all too often in our course on earth, we find ourselves waiting for life to begin or waiting for life to start again. We are waiting to act. We are sometimes afraid of what the future will hold. We are waiting, uh, uncertain to put our trust in a world that so often deals in death. We are waiting to see if someone will join us so that we're not left alone taking a stand. Do I really want to put myself out there again? Sometimes we are waiting for that other person to accept us uh, or for the permission to be the person we know ourselves to be. We live much of our lives waiting holding off for fear of placing our trust in a future that might not be able to hold our hope. Sometimes we're waiting for the other person to be reasonable. We're waiting for a long-held grudge to dissipate. Sometimes we're waiting for an apology to be extended. Sometimes we're waiting to see if the apology is for real. This waiting is part of why I find our gospel scene this morning from the village of Bethany to be so compelling. Mary and Martha were waiting as well. Their brother Lazarus was sick, very, very sick. But even though they knew he was so ill, they knew that their beloved friend and teacher Jesus, if he could be there, could heal him. And so they sent word to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And they waited. And they waited. And I imagine that In that waiting, their frustration and their anger and their despair kept building. And they, like we, learned that when we're waiting like this, it can be really hard to be fully alive. And so I've been sitting with this story this week and entering into that space with Martha and Mary. And I've been sitting with the the pain and the uncertainty of our lives right now. And I've been wondering, how do we live, really live, not just exist, in the face of disappointment, 
and death and fear. Recently, it was the English priest and author Sam Wells who showed me a path forward. It's a path that Jesus shows those whom he loves in our passage today. Wells teaches us that to fully live in the present, we must be freed from the prisons of the past and trust in life eternal to be freed from our fear of the future. As we come closer and closer to the mystery of life in the midst of death, it's my belief that Martha and Mary and Lazarus and Jesus can show us this way. Let's begin with our fear for the future. Many years ago, uh, when I was a young priest, I was taught a most uh, interesting question about life. And it came from a longtime leader of young people who, in his practice with young people, would often ask, what crossroads are you at right now? I found this question to be so helpful because it acknowledges that often in life, in front of us, are paths that are profoundly unclear. It also acknowledges that because of those myriad possible outcomes, we find it sometimes impossible to be present with ourselves and with those around us as we constantly ask, but what's going to happen or what's not going to happen? And so sometimes we become unable to move, so preoccupied with the many ways that our plans might be disrupted. Even though we know that life inherently involves risk, we don't know that the risk will be met. We can't even control what that risk being met might even look like. And so in time, this, this uncertainty and this fear takes hold of us. Is there something in suspension for you right now as you look ahead? Is there a fear that you can name that undermines your hope? In the last few weeks, I've heard it in conversation with some around the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and the fear of where our economy is headed next. I've heard it in the geopolitical rattling that's happening right now around a possible world war. For some, it's been this game of political chicken that our legislatures are playing federally. For you, it could be closer to home. Are you waiting on a job, a move, an application, a relationship? Is there a fear of what may be that is preventing you from participating in what is? If so, I invite you to join me in following the path of Martha and Mary. For even in the midst of their grief and anger and sorrow, they still come to Jesus, trusting that there is life ahead. 
It's why Martha can proclaim, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into this world. The trust that they show is not a trust in our own actions, as clever as we may appear to be. It's a trust that there will be moments of redemption that are far outside of our imagination. And fundamentally, it's a trust in the life eternal, the life abundant, and that this life will somehow be as present for us as it was for them. And if truly having life in the present means being freed from our fears of the future, then it also means being freed from the prisons of our past. It means being freed from what has kept us bound, how we keep ourselves bound, and how we bind others. That's part of why I find this scene from John's Gospel to have such incredible power. Because after Jesus calls Lazarus out of his tomb, the dead man comes forward, and Jesus' words to all the beloveds of Lazarus gathered there were, Unbind him and let him go. Notice that Lazarus doesn't unbind himself. This is something essential that we do together. So often we're not able to be fully alive in the present moment, fully able to love and be loved, because we remain bound in prisons of our past. And we continue trying to live as if we can make it on our own, as if we can remove our own bindings. But it often doesn't work like that. Being freed of our prisons, taking part in a life of reconciliation, is critical to being able to live a life fully alive. And it's why we walk this Christian path together. In some ways, it would be so much simpler to live it off on our own, there would be fewer squabbles, fewer painful moments, fewer broken expectations. But I believe that Anglican priest John Dunn was right when he wrote that no one is an island entire of itself. Everyone is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. When we loose the bindings of others, when we ask them to unbind us, we tap into the life eternal. We participate in a power beyond us, a power that heals, a power that frees. What is binding you, trapping you in the past? What is keeping you from fully living? Who might you unbind to let them go? Freeing people from the prisons of the past and trusting in the future of the life eternal doesn't mean that life in the present will be easy. It was not easy for Lazarus. As far as we know, he lived the rest of his days until his second death with a death warrant over his head. But again, John's gospel shows us what is possible 
by weaving a character that we've heard about into the story later on. And so later in this gospel, after Jesus has traveled to Ephraim and lived there for some time with his disciples, when the time for the Passover comes close, Jesus returns to Bethany. And once again, close to the end of the story, in the home of his beloveds, at table we find Jesus and Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And we see Lazarus at table once again, close to Jesus. You see, freeing people and trusting in the now and forever life brings us closer to Jesus. This is how we find life. Not imprisoned in the past or fearful of the future. When we find this, we find the words of the second century Saint Irenaeus of Lyon to be true. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. 